Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is the Curious Anarchy podcast, and we're back once again with another episode of Curious Muse. I am your host, Jermaine, and I am sat alongside Mark. Mark hey, Jermaine, what's, what's happening? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I mean, it's a, it's a joy to be present in your company again. I've got to say, it's a real pleasure and a joy to be uh, learning pod podding from the best, so to speak. So, um, yeah, it's all good in the hood. I have to say, that's a, for me, that's a bit of a reflection as well. Learning podding, um, I've been doing that from you. So, Oh, okay, I've been doing it from you, so it's getting very confusing. Let's say uh, iron sharpens iron, right? That's what they tell me. That's what they tell me. Right. So we'll run with that. Okay, so today on uh, Curious News, we wanted to cover a few topics. Um, obviously, we've had the weekend, and there's been a lot happening. Um, we're beginning to see some kind of unraveling with the restrictions, or with the processes involved with understanding when these restrictions are going to lift. There's lots um, of confusion, lots of uh, opinion. And uh, Marky, if you'd like to yeah. slide in on that point, that would be important. Well, I wanted I wanted to um, start actually with um, something related, but not necessarily on the same point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to start with this one. It's it's so bizarre. It's so left field um, that I'm not certain. Uh, like um, how to begin with it because it's it, it I don't I feel weird and I'm not even working for the NHS. <laughs> um, the, the 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 National Health Service, whose birthday is today, it was formed in around 1947. So you can do the math. I won't be doing the math. Um, and has been struggling for the past. 20 years under Tory rule to keep going. So we've lost, for example, the dental side of it, where it's all gone to privatisation. We've lost large sections of of medicine to to private companies and what have you. So -hmm. we're struggling to keep the very essence of the NHS. And the way that the government handled the pandemic, we're lucky we kept anyway, because, because it was the NHS that saved us, without a shadow of a doubt. When the track and trace didn't work, it was down to the NHS to do that job for for the government, for the yeah. private companies. Um, they had huge amounts of people coming and staying in hospitals to get over the virus. And if it hadn't been for the constant, uh, you know, 48-hour shifts that people were doing, people and the nurses would have gone under. So we also had a lot of people that came to the NHS from abroad have worked there for many many years and are now facing deportation and and, and um, having to return to Europe thanks for your um, service yeah exactly that yeah including the people who saved both the people the nurses that saved if he was ill Boris Johnson have also been you know like right. yeah. they're on, they've got their marching orders sort of thing you know did, not they haven't did, got it but they've taken it on board oh okay I was going to say, I, but, I thought but, that you know, there the, might be even a slight sort of some kind of uh, 
somebody stepping into that. I mean, say, just hey, just up. the way that just the way that no. was handled. I mean, the fact that you could think that just two nurses alone would be responsible for keeping you alive is is amazing. But um, you know, you uh, and we'll come back to the, you know the thoughts of of our great leader. Um, but but just the thoughts that two nurses alone would be what keeps you alive. You know, you, the amount of people that are involved in keeping one patient alive. It goes way beyond two nurses. But anyway, okay, leaving that aside. Today, the Queen, on behalf of the government and the St. George's Trust, mm-hmm. have awarded the St. George's Cross to the National Health Service. So you have to put this in some perspective. Right. This is a, a military award that's handed out incredibly rarely. Almost never. I think the, the, the big people I know that got it was the island of Malta got it during the Second World War. Right. It's not an award by the Queen, it's an award by the Prime Minister and the George's Committee who, in, who instruct the Queen as to who to give it to. So what we're saying is that for two years, for keeping this country afloat, for fighting to get... In the very beginning, if you remember, Jermaine, some of the podcasts we did, fighting to get the right equipment. You know, they were wearing plastic bags in the beginning of this. They they were struggling to get the very basic things they needed to, to handle this pandemic. And at the end of it all, when we turned around and we clapped them for a year and everything, the government refused to give them more than 1% pay increase. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're going to get a ceremonial medal for the whole service. How would you feel if you were working for the NHS, Jermaine, if, if that was the case, that you got not a pay rise, not any recognition in terms of, you know, because think about all the people that have made money out of this virus and the people who have lost, against the people that have lost their jobs and lost fortunes they'd saved all their life. And in the middle of that, you've got nurses that are working ridiculous hours, ridiculous, I mean, some working themselves to the bone, and they got no more than 1% pay increase, but they're going to get a, a ceremonial cross from the Queen. How would you feel? I mean, it feels very much like a participatory sticker. It's <laughs> a good way of putting it, actually. I hadn't thought of it like that. That's, okay, that's, I hadn't thought of it like that. That's what it feels like. If if I was in that situation and I'm thinking, I have risked my life. Not only have I just risked my life, right, which is the main thing about this, by being exposed to people who may have COVID or suspected having COVID. Um, you're working in environments that are, there's a, there are a lot of people traveling through these, these areas. Um, <clears throat> So not only is there that risk of life, like you have the, if you do catch it, you potentially could die, potentially. You potentially might have long COVID, which could keep you out of work for some extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what yeah. would happen in that circumstance? You'd be going off, would you be going off sick? But would it count because it's COVID or would you only get so much help? And then after that, it's kind of like, bye-bye, if you're not any, if you're not recovered. Um, I don't know. Um, just the idea of me having gone through several 24-hour shifts 
back to back with no um, end in sight. This has been end, like this has been a year, right? I mean, I'm Jermaine, how would you feel? How would you feel if your one of your relatives had died being a nurse through right. that period, and now posthumously, the whole service is getting St George's uh, Cross? Um. Yeah, that's 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 not really gonna cut it. Right. Well, just what I—that's how I felt. But I just wanted to check with you that you were you were feeling the same thing. So yeah, it's it's, it's not gonna do it for me. I'm, I'm sorry. That's that's not that's not that's not recognition. That's that. What is that? Oh, here's here's a little badge. You've worked really hard. You've driven yourself absolutely crazy. You've burnt yourself out. Um. We're not going to give you a pay rise. You're still having the same working conditions. Like this, like where is the, the help, the actual assistance with the infrastructure? Well, yeah, that's you got to ask that question. And the second thing is, it's going to split people because if you if you've been in the military, this is a hugely uh, important um, medal. You know, so people that have received it in the military, it's a hugely important medal for them. But for the nurses who aren't in the military. It's a bit of a, I don't know what you'd call it, like a side this, step, really? This is, um, this particular award is <clears throat> for gallantry that is non-military. So it's it's similar and carries the same weight as the Victoria Cross, which is okay. a military-based one. Um, but this one is for effectively civilians and, and yeah. Okay, okay. But I'm just saying, uh, they, they wouldn't see it in the same light that, say, a soldier would. Yeah. So if if you've been a soldier, you recognise it as something slightly more. This, like this is the same at the same level. Yeah, but I'm saying you know if 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 you spoke to a serving soldier, they'd be over the moon they got one. For the NHS, they were like, well, we're just doing our job. We're not doing anything courageous. We don't see it like that. But we would appreciate that you gave us the proper conditions we need to work in and the proper wages to live on. Right. I mean, the, the fact that that we reported on Curious Muse that nurses were going to food banks. And in some mm. cases, still are, because their wage isn't good enough to to get, cover getting through the month. And here you're getting an award. I just, I find my mind. I, I struggle to understand this. Uh, I, you know, I, I try to be as uh, open-minded as I can be, but I struggle to understand it. And it kind of feeds into what uh, Dominic Cummings came out with today, because I thought it was sounded like sour grapes. But on the other hand. It kind of it, it it makes him sound right, which is kind of bizarre. Right. Um, <clears throat> what did he, he say? He said that um, even Boris Johnson admits it's ludicrous that he has become the MP, the PM. <laughs> you know what? I'm not surprised. Not surprised. Uh, and in response to to that comment. The, P- the PM's office said, we don't intend to engage with every allegation that's made. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sorry, I didn't realise that was an allegation. <laughs> right, this is what Cummings said. He said, he wrote to the PM, he wrote that the PM is hopeless at bureaucratic infighting and routinely and routinely says and does things so foolish that people are open mouth. He said oh, that he no. knew... Cummings, he, Cummings knows... Well, he he said he knew that Johnson was, in any objective sense, unfit for PM. 
when he agreed to join the staff. But he joined the staff team. Because well, you just got to read this to believe the kind of mentality of the people that are leading this country that, that would give this kind of medal to the nurses. But despite this, he added, he and the former members of the Vote Leave campaign decided to roll the dice and join the, the number 10 team anyway. Wow. Believing his defects could be partly mitigated in office. He added that they also believed that without their help, the Conservatives would fail to resolve the post-referendum constitutional crisis. He then wrote... I can imagine that. that. Yeah, I can can see some of that, maybe. Well, this is a bit you're going to really enjoy. Then he wrote, could have led to a second referendum and former leader Jeremy Corbyn winning power, which would have probably been even a bigger disaster. Oh, right, okay. So, this is where we're heading. So the guy's burnt his bridges with his own party and burnt his bridges with with uh, suggesting that, that Corbyn could have done the job. So he's outcasting the word completely, completely. And the thing is, Corbyn's not even the opposition leader. So attacking him, why? Well, I just as, as he was talking about the time at the time, you know, 2019 when he when he stepped into into Downing Street, uh, it yeah. was like to stop that from happening. Wow. And, and just to prove his point, if, if, if giving this medal wasn't enough of a, a proof of, of what he's trying to say, the Prime Minister had a dilemma, Jermaine. He had a dilemma. He had to decide whether we should, on July the 19th, return back to normal, given that he's now made about six promises to do that and not fulfilled one of them. It was getting to the point that people were just genuinely not believing him. It was like when the boy cried wolf. It was just time after time he'd say it and mm-hmm. people wouldn't believe him. So here's his dilemma. Does he go ahead, put, say we can't open up on July 19th because we've still got increasing numbers of deaths and people getting the virus, which we have. Or does he say, open up because I don't want you to think... Um, I'm, I'm never going to open up for you. What do you think he would he did today in, as a solution? What did he do today as a solution? <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the list, this little piece here. It says that he's ending the restrictions on July 19th. Right. right. Um, if you're ending the restrictions on a virus that is growing, albeit perhaps a year later, and maybe not so much to a great as, as to as great an effect as it when it first came over. Yeah, um, that's still an issue, I'm sure. If it's growing again, right? So he he but didn't want to end mask wearing. You're going to end social distancing. You're going to open nightclubs. People are going to start flooding back into places. Uh, we've had um, sporting events with yeah, yeah. Well, well, that I mean, no, but that's important because we have some huge sporting events coming up this week, right? And so, so we had to make a decision as to whether we would stay as we were, if you like, or mm. we would move into um, we would move into accommodating larger numbers of people at the football, basically. Mm-hmm. So what was what was the um, what was the decision he could make around that? How could he resolve that? That was the question. 
And he did it in the way that someone, if you're a person out there and you're listening to this, and you and you don't like being unpopular, and you are Boris Johnson, this is what you would have done. You would have said, we're open. All restrictions, all legal restrictions are now closed. So in other words, everything is open now. But it's up to the individual what responsibilities they take around the virus. <laughs> again, again with the passing of responsibility. And this is how it's been phrased by some people on Facebook. We've given up, so you can go and do what you want, then we can blame you for doing it. So what he did with Ireland, and what he's done with this, is he wants people to act, and whatever they do, if it goes wrong, he can blame them and not himself. So, as the Prime Minister, the leader, Shik, yes, yes, you see very the best way to avoid any kind of uh, comeback, the best way to avert any potential uh, spillage or increase or further threat to the population of the country that you are ultimately prime ministerialing all over. Yeah. You see that the, the best way, the best solution to, to take care of that is to give the responsibility to everybody else. Pass it on. So we have a duty as, as curious anarchists to ask the simple question, which is this. Why are you stopping just there? Surely we can take responsibility for everything we're doing now then. So like, for example, if it says 30 miles an hour, why can't we choose what we think is safe? <laughs> and if a red light is red and there's no cars coming the other way, can't we just go then? If we can just act on our own initiative, knowing what's right and wrong. Well, and they did say all of the uh, legal restrictions will be easing. Note it says COVID. Um, right, right. But, but what yeah. I'm saying to you is, <laughs> there are so many other. Like for example, I'll give you an example. If a gentleman would wishes to grow or smoke marijuana, which at the moment in this country is illegal, right, and he thinks it's better that he does it, isn't it okay that he does that then? Well, I guess under what Johnson is saying, it's down to the individual now. So. If they can take responsibility for it, yes. Yeah. Okay, he would say don't do something that's illegal. But there's very fine lines here. Very fine lines. Because because if he's going to turn around the month time and say, well, look, you lot have put the numbers from 27,000, which we have today, to 100,000, then you lot are to blame. Then, you know, you could go down a million paths on that discussion. You really could. You really could. Um, and we know that Boris, at the moment, is very wrapped up in... The, the progress of the British football team. He stood the other day outside Downing Street on a superimposed flag to show how much he's behind the boys. He's such a clown. Such a clown. It's well, people say he's a clown, a clown but it's but very awkward. You, you know what? Our co-host Shiloh, who's asleep, bless him, um, he was at the circus yesterday. I wondered if uh, Boris was there <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, whereas I would agree with you, he's a clown. There's, there, he uses his buffoonery to very clever political ends because you would think that given that the majority of people now recognise this in him, that he would be out of office. 
yet he uses this as a means to perpetuate being in power. He's like Ronald McDonald, really. He's that friendly clown that everyone would like to stay in office because it's better than him than someone that you don't like. Which is which is disturbing on so many different levels that the population are happy with that as their leadership. Now, in this the, is one of the other points for me. Sorry, I'm just... just no, no, carry on. Things, right? So here we have a quote. It says, It will no longer be necessary for government to instruct people to work from home. There's, I've seen a lot of fallout from this. This is going to be big because there are people who are currently in isolation, yep, who have yep. chosen to work from home remotely Correct. for reasons concerning their, their medical health. Now, if government turn around and say, you're no longer needed, we're not going to instruct you to work from home, what happens then? Companies are going to be, there's going to be a lot of infighting. Some people are going to want to stay at home. At least Absolutely. Until, you know, fades a little bit more. We've, we've got less than what I can see here as a, as a reported, expected to be around 50,000 cases per day. Now, that's, that's quite worrying. And that's by July 19th. Yeah. And he's saying that we must reconcile ourselves to more deaths from COVID. The last time he said something like this, people were dying in large numbers in chaos. That, that's absolutely correct. You're right. Absolutely. I, I don't know um, what the solution to that is, Jermaine, to be honest with worrying, you. Worrying times indeed. I'm not Do sure what... Do you have the assistance and the infrastructure to now deal with that a year on? Do the hospitals have the facilities and the equipment and the PPE to keep going? Do they have enough staff to... That's that's a good question. ...well-being is intact, that everybody gets some rest? Because this is a long journey. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Jermaine. I'm not sure that they do have it. But also, could could you be sacked for saying, I don't want to come into work because I have a few weaknesses with my health and the virus is still predominant in society. This, this is where it's going to get quite interesting. And then the next question is this. Would you be sacked if you said, I could get ill from this and your employer says, have you had both injections? And you say no. Mm. Mm. Well, how does that sound legally then? So these things, I mean, there's, there's no framework for how we're going to answer those questions, is there? There doesn't seem to be anything in place of how we're going to respond to those questions. Well, I can see anyway. I can't see anything that's suggesting they have an answer to that. So this is just open up a whole can of worms and there's very little direction. There's very little um, information of how we're meant to go forward with this. You know, it's really the, the bare basics what he's spoken about. Um, all of the rules that we have before are going out the window. Workers can return to office in two weeks' time. Crowds can go back to sports. Uh, wearing face masks is up to you. And so this is what someone has said, a health correspondent said, no country in the world has attempted to lift restrictions like this in the face of rapidly uh, rising cases. Some say it will be better to wait until autumn when all adults will be vaccinated. That may sound great in principle, but scientists advising governments seem to be backing a summer lifting. Unlocking was always going to drive up infections. And the problem with trying to delay this 
is the risk of a surge in cases as much as at a much worse time. So I don't know. This this has been a slog. Well, it doesn't sound like we're out of it, Jermaine. I mean, you know, people are acting like that's the end of it. Well, I can't see how this is the end of it. This, so this, we have at least thirty percent of the population is not is not vaccinated, mm-hmm. and also we know that this variant. Some they're suggesting some cases you might have to have three vaccines for this variant because this variant is slightly different to the ones we had before. So in all cases, we're not out of the water with this, and we've got school kids being sent home because they keep spotting. Uh, they, uh, you know, to track and trace and spotting people in their class that have got or come into contact with the virus. We had a situation where two Scottish footballers during the European Championships had to isolate and two English footballers had to isolate. And yet both sets of teams didn't have to isolate just those four players. Make of that what you will. It seems immensely poorly um, directed from here you know there doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, clear guidelines I'm, and, I, and I'm not certain that Scotland and Wales will be doing the same thing well this is the thing because the restrictions end in England on the 19th yeah. this is yeah. what's been said so that's England what about Wales what about Scotland yeah. the yeah, two yeah, countries yeah. that are connected to us directly Right? Yeah. And then obviously Ireland, they're going to have their own way of dealing with this. They're going to have their own experience of easing the restrictions. Right? How do we, as a as a United Kingdom, apparently function independently? That's a good question, Jermaine. I, I don't know what the answer to that is, to be honest with you. And because if people are going to travel between the two places, does that mean people that, for example, are from England and work in Scotland or Wales can't go there because then they're, they're now... Uh, potentially carrying the virus? I've no idea. Can I, can I go on holiday in Scotland? I've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. Now these other countries are going to have their own rules and and well, of, of course so they are. Now this is going to create issues. This is this is more issues. All you're doing is opening up one port, so everybody can run around England happy and free. But then what happens if people want to go to Wales? What happens if people want to go to Scotland? Yeah, totally, totally. We've had the airports open, so we know that clearly COVID seems to not be transferred via airplanes. Um, What then? What then? That's that's, That's a good question, Jermaine. How are they going to manage the England being open? Like what's, what's who are they because it's, it doesn't seem a lot of direction from anyone to be honest with you who are they mm. it'd be interesting well, to know who, who's going to try and direct this because it doesn't well, seem like men thing. like I understand that Nicholas Sturgeon seems to have dealt with the pandemic a lot better than Boris has now yeah. we've also yeah. had Australia, which I think is currently in lockdown. Um, they've gone back into a lockdown after coming out of lockdown. I think it was four or five months. Yeah, yeah. Months. Um, and they had been kind of, sort of fairly operational uh, internally, at least. Um, and now they've had a few cases have sprung up, and they've gone straight back into lockdown. Now 
what happens if that happens in the UK? Because we've been in a consistent lockdown for this last year. Yeah. You're going to open up, like literally open everything up and then have people mixing and people shielding. And what, what's going to happen from there, really? Well, it's a good well, well, you know, this, any, this is any... the question that I was asking, I think, in one of the, the recent ones. Because yeah, you did. Yeah, we've yeah. got people who have been isolating for pr- pretty much the last 12 months. They haven't seen the light of day. And there's concerns around people visiting each other. And, and like people are going to be isolating. But then we're told that there's no need to socially distance. There's no need to wear masks. How does that impact what happens next? I I don't get it. And plus the the the, the uh, what's her name? The uh, Princess of Cambridge has been forced to isolate today because she's been in contact with someone who had COVID. So oh. that's not a very good look, is it? That the the one of royalty has to isolate on the same day when we're, we're no longer following instruction. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't feel like a very good look to me. I mean, it, I, I was going to talk about other things in the news, Jermaine, but but to be honest, it's quite sad, really. I mean, rainbow flags being burned by far right protesters in Georgia. Uh, Captain Tom was laid to rest today. Oh, was Afghan, he? Yeah, Afghan troops flee the country after Taliban clashes. So the whole thing of the United States and, and the and the uh, UN forces being in Afghanistan. That whole period they were there to stop the Taliban. Well, they're leaving, and the Taliban are now still strong. So there's not a lot of great stories in the news today. I've got to tell you, and it's a Monday. There's not a lot of great stories, really. Start of the week, Mark. <laughs> it's not a great start, really. I just don't know. Um, it's, it's not very happy news all the way around. And uh, I don't know if this is good or bad news because this is more your world than mine, but uh, Jeff Bezos steps down as Amazon boss. Okay. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I've got no idea. He steps down. Is the, See, this is the thing, right? Because <clears throat> we had a load of uh, CEOs stepping down as say like the chairman or maybe they have okay. a role in the company and they've stepped out of that role but they're still remaining one of the CEOs um, I'd be interested to know like what what's involved in it I wonder like obviously he's recently in the process of getting divorced or he's got divorced that's right yeah and, yeah yeah yeah. Um, maybe he's reconsidering some things I don't know well yeah that's a, that's a good question um, is Amazon about to change its trajectory? Well, this is another thing I'm thinking. These guys are under pressure for very, very, very much underpaying their staff, overworking and underpaying. Is there pressure being applied? Maybe? I've got a feeling there is. Um, there was this bit here. At the time, Amazon was a multi-billion dollar company. However, they were headed to Amazon um him and his chief of technical advisor, Colin Briar, headed to the um, technical centre, the customer service centre, 
where they would spend two days at customer service as customer service agents. Jeff was actually taking calls himself. He recalls that what a complaint on one product in particular kept coming in. Jeff's eyes went wide. He said, "Bessos was frustrated. There was clearly something wrong with the product, but it hadn't been, but it hadn't escalated." Later that day, he sent out an email asking for more efficient ways of flagging faulty products. He stepped down 27 years after he founded the company. On to the day, you know. Wow, it's quite significant, though. Yeah, yeah. Literally, he has built his organization, his company, up from I don't know some little garage somewhere in. Out back of Wisconsin or wherever it might be, and turned it into one of the monoliths of the internet of the technological world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if though, for those of you who may have seen, uh, watched the series, the program on, uh, I think it's a documentary called the Social Social Dilemma, um, and other uh, films that also on Netflix to kind of explain the workings of Amazon, how Amazon is extremely pervasive <laughs> in terms of its, its influence on the internet. Amazon is broken into Amazon. So you've got the home delivery service where you can buy stuff online and have it delivered the next day or even same day in, in some Okay, certain. okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but also there's Amazon Web Services, which is AWS. Um, and basically that is the, your... I guess it's like they have a large share of the internet, right? Okay. So whenever you want to use the internet or access the internet, you're probably using a, uh, a site product based on the Amazon web services. Right, yeah, yeah. And um, this is one of the um, issues in regards to like, technical technological capitalism um, where you've got such a monopoly like they, I swear they own something like if not if it's not sixty percent of the internet, it's more. That's that's a huge huge amount, and it's basically Facebook, Amazon, and Google that pretty much own something like 80 percent of the internet. Right. Okay. What are the implications of that? Considering we've had these yeah yeah. Is- I mean, just to say this bit, Jermaine. ProPublica claimed. Uh, in an article to have seen his tax returns and alleged that he has paid no tax at all from 2007 to 2011. And that's given that he's the richest man in the world. He's paid no tax for those four years. Where's he based? What? Where's he based? America, I'm guessing. uh, Sorry, the company based. Which company? The one that said that? Yeah. Uh, ProPublica. Oh, good question. ProPublica. Right, let's let's do a little bit of quick research. ProRepublica. It's a non-profit making organization that investigates abuses of power. Ah, oh, ProPublica. That's quite an amazing statement. When you consider probably everyone listening to this has to pay tax. Uh, it's quite a big statement to say that he's, he hasn't paid for those four years. 
Joanne, I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to quickly pass this bit of information on to you. Sure, sure. Because we have people listening from around the world. So if you're li- listening in South of America, good luck to Brazil and Peru, to Argentina and Colombia in their semi-final matches of the Copa de Americas. Good mm. luck to all the teams that are playing in the African Nations Cup or the World Cup qualifiers, whatever they're playing down there. And good luck to Italy, Spain, England and Denmark in the semi-finals of the European tournaments. Good luck to them. Uh, the other thing is, which is worth noting or looking out for is... I can't say his name. Djokovic, the mm-hmm. tennis player. He's like two, two major wins away from equaling Nadal and Federer. Ooh. And he's a very strong favourite for this year's Wimbledon. So we're reaching the stage, the quarterfinal stages. So people might want to keep an eye on whether he gets to within one of them, because he started a lot later than they did, and he's 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 increasing his wins to such a rapid level um, that he's going to catch them long before, like it took them to win it. So anyway, it's worth keeping an eye on. Um, that's going to be this week. So a lot, most of these things are going to be this weekend. So just keep an eye on all those things coming up this weekend. Ooh, exciting. The uh, <clears throat> heroes are heating up. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to leave you there. It's uh, it's uh, been a joyous um, a joyous podcast of fun and games from our our UK government. Um, and it's been much more fun to be with Jermaine and Shiloh because they are far more entertaining and far more good company than the subjects that we've had to talk about on the actual podcast. I've been Marky Mark and my co-host has been Jermaine Main. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure. It's been wondrous. It's been a, a wonderful walk with you exploring this uh, <sighs> This, this, this cloud that follows Boris everywhere he goes. Um, thank you so very much for tuning Jermaine, in. It just, it just occurs to me, Jermaine, that, that you and I might walk around tomorrow by taking our mask off. We may not, depending on how we feel about it. Um, but we might take our mask off. But will Boris finally take his off? Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. I'm Jermaine and I've been with Mark. Thank you all so much for tuning in today today, to today's Curious News right here on the Curious Anarchy Podcast. Please check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Curious Anarchy. Also to note, there is an open campaign raising funds for Women's Trust um, who Mariana Zappi is a oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. long walk to awakening uh, a couple of weeks ago um, she, she's an ambassadress for that charity so please do donate if you can. that's all we've got time for today thank you all so 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 very much much appreciated much love peace and unity good morning good afternoon good evening and good night